I can't see the thing, so I don't know when I can yell, Kah! I was vaguely tempted just to, like, just kind of sit here and see how long you'd wait, but I decided oh, not I to would, do that. I, you can't hold back the car. <laughs> well, we've Every got our 10 opening. seconds, like clockwork. Welcome to a Star to Steer for By, uh, Star Trek and sometimes other stuff podcast. Uh, today we are doing another fanfic episode. Woo! So if we mentioned this about, I think, over two months ago, we said we were going to do this. Some of us started working right away. Some of us started working earlier this morning. <gasps> oh, I thought about it a little bit yeah. yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> but we have a great episode for you today of uh, Star Trek Star War Mashup. As always, I am Ames. I am Caitlin. This is Jake. And this is Chris. And we are on our Tales of the Holodeck episode of A Ten Forward. This is Ten Forward number nine. Woo-hoo! And? And? Our second anniversary-ish episode. Yeah, the, the episode is released close enough-ish to when we first started airing, which was two years ago. Holy cap. Which is insane. Remember two years ago when the world seemed sensible? And no. we were starting a Star Wars podcast? That's not Star Trek podcast? That's not sensible at all. Mm. Remember two years ago we were saying this will last one week? Yeah. And then it almost didn't even make it that far because somebody <laughs> fucked up the first episode? <laughs> I did. Uh, two years ago the world was such a hopeful place. That's kind of what I was getting at. Yeah. The Last Jedi hadn't come out. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it has a bitchin' lightsaber duel. Yeah. Discovery hadn't come out. I like disco. You would. Ugh. And yes, I called it disco just because I know that annoys you. Every time. It's just like I, I can only picture that meme of Spock doing doing some kind of a disco dance. Oh, that's, that's fair. That's, that's the fair. only reason that would ever be, be applicable. Spock. Spock. Okay. All right. Okie dokie. What tell next? Anything more? I don't think there's any more to tell. I think that was all the background that we gave of... Yeah. We drew, we drew out of hats whether or not we would do TOS or TNG, and then we drew out of the hat which series of Star Wars we were going to do, and we promise you something great, and some of us will deliver with that. I was going to say, and somebody, so, one person might actually nail it. Possibly. So the order has been randomly decided before the show with a dice roll, so... And it's almost the same order as last time. It's almost the same order as last time, but that's just by chance. Well, and actually, it's it's totally just clockwise, starting with Ames, too, that's which is really funny, yeah. so let's oh, make it is really funny. easy. So I'd say when you get to you, just say the series that you chose so we remember. Yep. Because sometimes it won't always be clear because there's a lot of the same characters. Yeah, and some of or, them or and some of them might even seem like they're written about the incorrect series, possibly. But that's only a possibility. So it's just helpful if we know ahead of time in case that possibility should occur if somebody made a mistake. And didn't know what prequel meant. No, no one, no one here at this table makes those Never. kinds that of mistakes. Could not have, that could not have happened. So anyway, anyway, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna. I mean, the su- prequel should come before the sequel, right? A se- there's a sequel, and then the thing that was before the sequel is a prequel to on, the sequel. On the other hand, what is the thing that's in between? Is it just a quill? What the fuck? I have heard the term midquel thrown around, but I hate that word. That's stupid. Ooh. How about a? How about we just call it? The dark years, the okay years, and the... Which, 
Which one's the end? Did you decide? The new stuff. Most people, however, know that episodes one through three have been pretty much called the prequels forever. Since the late 90s. Yeah, I understand. Okay. I understand. That's that's right. I know. I, of course I know that. Yeah, and of course that will be reflected in your fanfic. Anyway, Absolutely. before we before we get to, to Jake's fanfic and figure out what the fuck he actually wrote, I rolled on 10? What did I roll? 12. Tw- no. 10. 10. 10. I rolled Sorry. a 10. 10, 10, 2, 10. We used a 2D6. We did. You're so clever. Uh, I so wanted to... I wanted to remind our listeners, 8,000 years ago, I, I drew Star Trek TNG and the Star Wars Anthology series, which to the current date consists of only Rogue One and Solo, mm-hmm. in my drawers. So... What about your drawers? My drawers. No. Wait a minute. Wait, that, wait, so now I have a question. Mine's like 10 pages. What? Is it? Is it really? It's pretty long. Dude, mine's like less than a thousand words. So it's going to suck, but at least it'll be over quickly. That's what I usually think. So wait, what's your question, though? The Star Wars movies, did we also count, like, 7 and 8? Yeah, those are the sequels. That's what I got. Oh, I didn't realize. I thought that we just did... Wow. So I thought that we only did... This was so long ago that we forgot what it was. So long ago. I thought that we only did TOS, TNG, which Mm -hmm. is right, and original Star Wars and prequel Star Wars because those are the no. only ones that are yeah, finished. No. I didn't even realize how lucky I got with this garbage. Yeah, no, I, I got the sequels and Ames has the, uh, the, the anthologies. The, the anthologies. Hmm. Yeah, because we, like, we decided we would do this right after Solo came out. Solo, you know, upon further introspection. Uh, yeah, is still garbage? No, I actually, I, I have come to like sort of remember it very fondly. It was not fun. unlike it was a not a fun film. No, I think I Rogue, think Rogue One is where it's at. No, oh, I Rogue love One Rogue One. Rogue One is definitely one of the best. One of the best Star Wars movies, full stop. And it's definitely the best of the new run, meaning yeah. the post prequel stuff. Mm-hmm. The the most recent couple of years stuff. Anyway. Plus, it had K two in it, and he's the best because this Alan is, Tudyk is, is the best. Point. All right, let's let's actually dive in because I have almost twenty three hundred words of reading to do here. Alan Tudyk should play too many. On. Skip go on. Skip the uh, stuff bunch of it. Oh but fuck you! Have... I've been working hard on my story. Read it fast. I haven't. I'm gonna browse Reddit. Well, if we if we stop bantering. <laughs> yeah, sorry. All right, here we go. <sighs> is that in the story or was that just? No, that's not in the story. The story is titled "The Solo Algorithm." I'd been staring at the plans for the Death Star for the entire morning, poring over every detail of the computer code until I could see them burning on the backs of my eyelids. My head buzzed. My office appeared blurry. This was easily the biggest project I'd worked on, so complex that I had to keep a cheat sheet next to my monitor with all the algorithms scrawled in my unsightly handwriting. My intercom shouted at me every few minutes with new requests until I had to turn on the auto-response so I could claw at the blueprints for some futile minutes in peace. I came to the determination that whoever had designed this product project had fucked up. <laughs> I flipped the intercom back on. You have 1,001 messages, <laughs> screeched the mechanized voice of the auto-response system. Press 1 to hear your messages. <laughs> I dialed in the number for the inventory manager, whose line was also going to auto-response. A curt, concise, inventory, please consult the database. Rolling my chair behind my desk, I bumped the rear wall of my cube. We were not allowed windows. We were not allowed doors. We were not allowed to see any of the other workers in untold other cubes, fitted only with enough room to sit at our computers and stare at the wall of monitors while we incessantly worked through what was assumably the workday. Sometimes I could hear the occupants of neighboring cubes bump against my wall and mutter some profanity, occasionally an apology. 
A simple, tiny houseplant I'd custom-designed and printed sat on my desk so I wouldn't go stir-crazy. I brought up the database and started searching through it. We could build starships. We could design worlds. We could create artificial beings with personalities that could fool a Turing test. But whoever maintained the database was the true mastermind of this operation. The task sheet was several thousand pages of cells that delineated the job breakdown because we had to account for everything, no matter how minute, and whoever had bungled the Death Star would be on it somewhere. <laughs> it was afternoon when I tracked down the culprit of, out of everyone else developing the plans. I pulled up the extension number with no name, we didn't go by those, and called their intercom. They didn't have their auto-response on. Make it quick, I've got to finish this damn thing came the genderless voice on the other line. I would never meet this person, as I would never meet any person here. It's possible I'd spoken with them many times on countless other projects, and just as possible our degrees of separation had been infinite until today. Oh, uh, hi. Say, have you noticed something wrong with the Death Star plans? I asked. I stared at my little houseplant and drummed my fingers on my desk. My counterpart groaned. You're obviously going to have to be a whole lot more specific than that. I could hear them typing non-stop through my earpiece, working endlessly while we talked. I pulled up the design plans and zoomed in. The pixels fuzzed and then sharpened as I scrutinized a certain section that had gotten me scratching my head. Well, uh, take a look at the super laser reactor, I started. I'm kind of reviewing the code, and uh, if there were a pressurized explosion there, the whole station will blow. Yep, <laughs> they said as matter-of-factly as possible. Oh, so you're working on it. I figured it was a mistake, and I just wanted to make sure. No, you don't get it. It's supposed to do that. I stopped fidgeting in my chair and stared at the intercom as if I expected to see something there. My brow thoroughly furrowed. I managed a... What? Why? They snorted at me. Players have to be able to beat the Death Star. It's the damn trigger for the next cutscene. It sounded really simple and obvious when they said it. We builders don't always think about the reasons we, behind the designs we construct. We just do them to check them off from the inexhaustible database, which assigns us a new prod project and on and on into oblivion. They continued. No one's going to play the damn game if there's no way to beat this level. Didn't you read the wireframe specs? The flaw is there intentionally for the storyline to... Oh, God damn it! Shit on a fuck! Hang on! <laughs> <laughs> shit, shit on, on a, a fuck. fuck! Nice. I jerked my chair away from my desk and smacked it against the wall. My adjacent unseen neighbor yelled something muffled, and I could hear them give the wall a hit with the palm of their hand. Sorry, I called out. In my earpiece, the code writer on the intercom was still letting out a raucous stream of profanity. Cock-ass fucking shithole piece of hell, they shouted. Piece of hell! I hesitated. <laughs> Thank you, Caitlin. I hesitated between hanging up, up on them so they could get back to their obviously important work and apologizing for existing in the first place to wreck their day so utterly. Oh, jeez, I stammered. I shouldn't have brought it up. I, I, I'm sure you've got it under control. I, uh, I'm sorry to have bothered you. No, for fuck's sake, it's fine, dumbass. The Death Star is ready to roll out, damn it. It's just this other project keeps not coming the hell together. I'm supposed to be coding Han Solo, and he keeps coming out fucked up. <laughs> I'm sorry, I squeaked. And stop apologizing. Now I've got to undo a day's worth of edits on his stupid charisma levels, but then his whole personality generator will be imbalanced and he'll just be too much of a miscreant for this assignment. This whole character sheet is fucking impossible. I wish I could just start from scratch and delete this son of a bitch. My hands were shaking as I listened to them shout at me over the intercom, and I focused on my tiny potted plant. <laughs> I had made it to give me something real to look at in this gray, claustrophobic mimicry of an office 
otherwise made up of screens and machines. Everything else was black or metal, even my hulking metal desk. The plant was just a couple of tiny leaves, simple, uncluttered. I could have made a flower, but the greenness of the itty-bitty leaves were just what I needed to make myself feel composed, justified, like my existence in this world were validated. I took a quick breath before gliding my chair closer to the desk. Well, then why don't you? I asked. Why don't I what? came the clip reply. I heard more frantic clattering which echoed from their keyboard, more muffled cursing. Start from scratch. I do it all the time. What are you talking about? That's a waste of time. I've already gotten so far into developing this feckless CAD. You have no idea how long, how many hours I spent staring at. Oh, and he's got this fucking stupid ponytail I'm just sick of too. I just want to cut it off his right, I'll, I'll cut it right off his damn head. I tried not to laugh. Smiling, I went on. You don't know about the Star Trek universe, do you? What? No, the what? All of the developers loved the Star Trek universe. It was enormous. It contained nearly everything we'd ever created to date. And everything in it came from mistake after mistake after mistake, growing and evolving into the most realistic world we'd ever all built. And it would never see the light of day. It's only where we've been dumping our botched projects for as long as I've ever known. What, you can't delete this solo guy? Then I say scrap him for anything useful, rename the original file to anything else, uh, Okana, or I don't know, literally anything, and dump it into the Trek ether. Here. Here, I'll send you a link that a bunch of us have been using. I've got a ton of crap floating around in there. I found the link to the virtual environment and messaged it to this developer's extension. Over my earpiece, I could hear the message pop up on their screen with a cartoonish bounce sound. This is a fucking live world, they asked, incredulous. I mean, yeah, sure. It's programmed to never leave the test environment, so it'll never be found, but yeah. You put something in there and you get it off your plate and you can, I don't know, start over from the beginning. I do it all the time. I was on the Game of Thrones project and broke one of the Dothraki's foreheads somehow. <coughs> really rough day, don't even ask. So I renamed them uh, Klingons and basically threw them in there. Now they're one of the biggest races in the universe. <laughs> this garbage universe. Ish. It's been running on, on its own for a long time now, and all the beings in there have their free will turned on, so they just sort of go and write their own stories and stuff like that. It's a downright lifesaver sometimes. I'd heard about the Star Trek universe early on from another developer. This jury-rigged quick fix had been passed along from person to person in this office as a way to work around the efficiency checks and the quality assurance, and it was rather brilliant. Another coder who kept bungling a Gandalf for their Lord of the Rings virtual reality game told me about it. They couldn't get the long white hair on the wizard to attack pro pro properly, so they just shaved it all off, renamed the file Jean-Luc Picard, and shoved it in there. I heard that character's a starship captain now. As far as I can tell, the first usage of the Star Trek universe was when someone was building uh, the Master from, Doctor, from the Doctor Who VR, accidentally overpowered the character, <coughs> renamed him Q, and gave him sentience. After that cover-up, uh, the cover-up of that mistake, the whole galaxy started to come together on its own and turned into this enormous, complex behemoth where characters have no idea that they are programs, the worlds are first drafts that have evolved into huge functioning civilizations, and the stories write themselves into the cosmos of what's effectively a galactic recycling bin. <laughs> My counterpart was silent on the other end of the line for a long time, without even more typing to be heard. They spoke in an awestruck whisper. I'm looking at this universe, and holy shit. Yeah, I know. 
Thanks a shit ton for showing me. Hey, no prob. Really just doing what anyone would do. Who are all these space elves I'm seeing? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Probably Vulcans. They're sort of neat, I said. Why isn't this what we're building? They finally exclaimed in ecstasy. People would play the hell out of an open-world sandbox program like this. It's fucking majestic. It's, it's everything. I didn't have an answer for that. We developers try not to dwell too much on our purpose in life, spent forever logged into office cubes, staring at blinding monitors where we create everything the database tells us to. Whenever a project calls for a new character or item or vehicle or anything, no matter how big or how small, we have to account for all of it while we literally build the world and everything represented in it. Yeah, it's pretty great. I hesitated for a second while I couldn't stop smiling from the sh at the sheer splendor of the world we'd unknowingly nurtured. Hey, can I tell you something, friend? What's that? Can you go check how a planet called Binus is doing? Binus, uh, sure, let me see. I heard some clicking and waited for a reaction to what they might see. Uh, there's a little humanoid being down there. Cute little shit. I trembled, grinning, tears starting to form in the corners of my eyes. That, that little humanoid, that's me. That's you. You built yourself? Well, something like myself. Like an interpretation of myself. I kind of wanted some version of me to exist somewhere in the playable universe. Maybe it's stupid. No, it's not stupid. It's cool, they scolded me. You named yourself Zero One? It's from my extension number. Oh my god. There was another pause and more clicking I could hear. Finally, the other spoke up. I'm going to build myself, build myself to keep you company. I'm going to be one zero. Oh, you don't have to do that. I was surely blushing, though the other developer would never know it. <coughs> Already did. I just copied your file and mirror imaged it. Super easy. I opened the universe and watched the two binars, me and a nearly identical programmer I would never meet, as they conversed rapidly to each other, going about their days as if they were real people, ignorant that they were just two pieces of code living in a virtual world. I should get back to my jackass Han Solo problem, he said. <laughs> I may keep the vest, but everything else is just horseshit. Sure. Nice talking with you. You too. Hey, another suggestion, I said. What's that? You should print yourself a houseplant for your office. They're nice, I think. I logged out of the office environment at the end of the workday and pulled the virtual reality set from my head. I immediately felt, I immediately felt ten pounds lighter. And that night, as I stared out my apartment window at a slightly pixelated setting sun and a program depicting a city full of apartment buildings implying masses and masses of people, I felt optimistic about the world for the first time in a long time. Computer, I said, as I stretched my legs and shook out my arms. Load program, Star Wars, Escape from Corellia. The end. That was awesome. That was very good. Boom sauce. Escape from Corellia. It's the basically the opening of Solo. Um, dumb. So I like that. On the one hand, I almost had to fire you because you're on a Star Trek podcast and decided that Star Wars was made out of all the that Star Trek was made out of all the junk people couldn't get right. But then you saved it at the end by having them in awe of how fancy it was. <laughs> also, I drew the house plant. Yay, house plant! Oh, it's so cute. That's a plant. Put that on the face. Wow, so I get to follow that, huh? With yep. my I'm piece sorry. of shit. I'm sorry, Caitlin. Okay, after I say the opening line, can you guys hum the Star Wars theme under this, please? Yeah, sure. Can I do which, more than which, hum it? Which Star Wars theme? Do you know the words? The, the Star Wars theme? There's words to the Star Wars theme? Of course I yeah, do. of course there are. 
I mean, Bill Murray wrote them in 1979. All right. There is actually a I, Remember that I'm going to definitely need the bam, 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 bam part, because that's how I start reading the rest of it. Okay. All right. Do you need the um, 20th Century Fox build-up, or should we just launch no. it right out? Can we do the 21st, 21st Century Fox thing now, so that when you start it... Yeah. Yes. Okay. That was better than this fanfic. Let's move on. Long ago, in a galaxy far, far away, Star Wars, nothing but Star Wars. No, he knows what I actually need. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, fuck, now I'm all screwed up. Long ago, in a galaxy far, far away. Oh, God, Jake, you fucked me up. That one. the fuck are you doing? Fuck, I fucked it up now. The battle between the Trekkers and the Wargians were reaching unimaginable heights. Attacks were launched by both sides. Convention centers burned to the ground. Massive bonfires of DVDs, books, and Akin figures lit. Akin? Action figures lit. Figures of key players from both sides of the war burned in effigy. And if that was not enough, cyber attacks were launched. Websites hacked and information erased. Or worse, the ever-growing list of what is and isn't canon was meddled with, altered <laughs> beyond recognition. It was during this increasingly deadly campaign of violence when, with no warning, a stranger from the stars came down to Earth to meet its people and judge whether they were ready to join the rest of the universe among the stars. Bop, 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 bop. No, then it goes down like a... And they pan into the planet. Cool. Price so. Story didn't get this treatment. They didn't ask, didn't for, ask it. for it. Mm. I don't really. Yours good... is more an episode of Black Mirror, really. It's a little bit what I And mine more. is more a piece of shit that could use all the gimmicks it can have. Uh, well, yeah, come on, take... you're in the middle of the story. Keep going. People of Earth, my name is Klaatu. I come in <laughs> peace. <laughs> Said the extremely humanoid man who had stepped out of the unexpected spaceship. He watched with a grimace as a robe-clad figure swung a plastic lightsaber at a man seated in a strange wheelchair with a distant look on his face. <laughs> the toy bounced off the wheelchair's mostly cardboard and duct tape body with a pathetic thump. This behavior is preposterous. Why are you making violence against your fellow man? <laughs> Every head in the crowd turned to stare at him, eyebrows raised in horror, some mouths agape. Are you kidding? <sighs> you don't know? A man dressed in a too small Darth Vader costume asked <laughs> incredulously. There is much we don't know about your people, Klaatu said, spreading his hands wide. That is why I am here. Your planet is being considered to join the universal community. But if you are unable to prove yourselves to be civil, you may suffer dire consequences. Like what? Cursed to watch nothing but Star Trek V for all eternity? <laughs> One Han Solo garbed fellow joked to a group dressed as the band from Jabba the Hutt's Palace. He's got a band, right? Yeah, yeah. Great, perfect. It's like a blue elephant. Yeah, exactly, that guy. <laughs> like your planet would be blown to smithereens to stop you from spreading your tossicity to other galaxies, Klaatu replied coldly. A gasp rose from the crowd and each faction started chattering nervously among themselves. 
Out of the crowd stepped one man who said, listen, we're all adults here. This trucker was dressed in a perfect replica of Kirk's Wrath of Khan era uniform. If these bojos could just admit the Trek is superior, there could finally be peace. Fat chance, lame brain. All in attendance gasped, for an impossibly tall young woman popped out of the top of a gonk troid (laughs) to face the wannabe Kirk. Everybody knows that Star Wars is the greatest thing ever. Your beloved Star Wars is more a fairy tale than science fiction, one red-faced, red-shirted trekker shouted. Imagine weirdly dressed magicians running around using magic spells and calling it sci-fi. Oh, please. Like, mixing matter and antimatter and using lasers to power dilithium crystals is so scientific. Sounds about as wibbly-wobbly as a Stephen Moffat episode of Doctor Who, cried an impressively outfitted Greedo. We didn't need movies to capture the imagination and love of our audience, countered a young woman dressed as a Tellarite, diddly bob swaying. But you did need your audience to keep your garbage scow afloat for three seasons, retorted a man clapped and uh, clapped, clad. He's got the clap. Clad in a stormtrooper uniform. Without that letter campaign, you'd have been dead in the water. Two words, rebel scum, spat a nurse chapel cosplayer. Christmas special! With a roar, a group of a dozen fully suited Ewoks charged ahead, bowling over a trio of yeoman rands. Oh no! In response, a group of Gorn threw their styrofoam rocks at a gender swap C-3PO. Or was it just Joan Rivers' character from Spaceballs? <laughs> Startling her and causing her to lose her balance from atop her golden roller skates. You remember she has roller skates at mm-hmm. one point, she gets dragged behind the princess. Mm-hmm. An exceptionally strong-looking Uhura grabbed a pair of Princess Leia doubles and conked their heads together Three Stooges style. So a normal Uhura. Yes. Suddenly there came a gasp from the gathered crowd, where once there had stood only the man known as Klaatu. Two force ghosts flickered into view. (laughs) (laughs) They were the ghosts of Yoda and Mr. Spock. (laughs) It is illogical to disagree violently about your preferred form of entertainment, said Spock. His eyebrow raised as he looked over the crowd. From what I learned in the company of humans, it is what makes us unique and individual that is most special. Agree to disagree, but do not go to war over something so insignificant. Mm, live and let live, you must, <laughs> agreed Yoda. <laughs> That's it, I'm just going to do it normal from now on because I don't do a good Yoda. Worth being excluded from the universal community, it is not. <laughs> Laugh at you one day, your grandchildren will. <laughs> and all the nerds who had gathered looked at each other and realized... They weren't so different. Sure, some of them preferred their science fiction a little more sciency, and some preferred it a little more magic-y, but they both agreed spaceships, aliens, and defeating evil was cool, didn't they? This is the part where there should be more, and then it just kind of ends. <laughs> Live long and prosper, said Spock, raising his hand in the memorable Vulcan farewell. May the force be with you, said Yoda, attempting with his tridactyl fingers to mimic Spock's gesture. He struggled for a moment before muttering, For the birds this is. Prosper and live long. The Jedi Master was in the middle of a grumble as the legions of dorks, dweebs, nerds, and geeks came together and embraced. And with a satisfied smile and a shake of his wizened head, Yoda and Spock started to fade away, back to wherever they had come from. Balance had been obtained, and would continue long, long into the future. This was a dumb war anyway. The crowd turned as one to where a tall, thin man in a floppy hat, frock coat, and impossibly long scarf stood. Classic Who is far superior to either of these lame franchises. Would you care for a jelly baby? And that's the end. 
Look so, at you go. So you're welcome. Um, at least it was short. Yeah, it was good. Nah. It was funny. It's a good idea. <laughs> Jesus, how do you do that voice? <laughs> it's the Andorians that have diddly bops. Oh. Fuck! I wondered if I had got it wrong. I'm glad you said that. I'll fix it. I'll fix it in post. Yeah, so so the way this started in my mind, because I really actually, I know I said I started thinking about it yesterday. The core idea was in my head for a while. And what I really wanted to do was going to get way out of scope really fast. Because I wanted well, like to Like my be, story was. <laughs> no, your story was perfect. I wanted to do like almost a courtroom drama. And oh. I wanted it to be like... QS Judge? No. Oh, you got to And it, well, it was still going to be Klaatu anyway, but... Klaatu from the day the earth stood still? Yeah. So, no, so Klaatu was still going to be the judge. Like, that premise was going to be the same, but there was going to be, I think, I don't remember who I was, I was trying to figure out who to have from, oh no, that's what I was going to do. I think I was going to basically do, like, Data as the, as the lawyer on one side. I know he's from TNG, but it doesn't say I can't use TNG, it's just like, I have to use TOS. And I was probably going to use Spock on the other side, just because I needed something. There were going to be, like evidence and not just like stupid references to like reasons why the shows are you not to, good to like explain your show Caitlin you does Caitlin wrote this and I feel I feel guilty for everything no, I do you did a very good job oh thank you, you Jake. Did a very good job you're very kind I appreciate it I wanted to think what the what the collective group for a group of gorns would be like how there's a gaggle of geese and a mm. And uh, what else is there? All kinds of oh, things. Fuck. I meant to say that they threw their rocks with a resounding. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> I blew it. That should be the name of a group of Gorn. Of uh, Gorn. That sounds right. Oh, I like that. Did your Did your story have a title? No. <laughs> God no. <laughs> yeah, the title was "I finished writing it five minutes before we started recording." P.S. I love you. <laughs> the day the earth stood still. Two electric Klatuguru. Nice. Electric Clot 2 product. The day the convention stood still. Ooh, there you go. Mm. That's good. I like that. Um, my turn? Yeah. Yep. If you wish. Okay. We're so, just blasting through these. So mine is... Uh, we should have done two each. Mine is uh, the <laughs> I'm sorry, original David. series and the prequel Star Wars. Whichever mm-hmm. ones you think those are. Yeah. Well, you'll see what I did. Now, mine's a bit different because y'all wrote like narrative, uh, you know, prose... Yeah, and so did you last time we did a fan. And I did last time, but this time I want to do something a little different. This one's going to be... Did you write a rap? No. Oh. Uh, this one's going to be more of a performance, because it's a, it's a script. Okay. Are you going to do voices? Or? I will do the I will do my best at the voices, because I kind of have to. Are you going to tell what the characters are so that we can tell from the voice? Well, I'll or tell you... Or will it be obvious? It sh- I'll try to make it obvious. If you're confused, hold up a hand or you shout, and I'll... I'll explain. And there's a bug flying yeah. around. It's really annoying. It's summer. It's gross. Um... <laughs> Okay, I call it. I don't have a title for it. I'm going to come up with a title for it right now. This is Pawn Far Enough. <laughs> nice. It sounded all relevant to the story. But... Oh, no. All right, anyway. Captain's Log. Stardate 5210.4. While en route to investigate signals emanating from Quaestar M17, the Enterprise has picked up another mysterious signal possibly of a ship in distress. On the bridge, Uhura sits at her station intently, having just received a strange signal. Spock and McCoy stand nearby. Kirk sits in his chair, filling out paperwork on a pad. (laughs) It was there for a moment, then gone. It sounded almost like old earth doo-wop music. That's Uhura. (laughs) Troy, from the south. I don't know. Do what music? 
McCoy? Yeah. Yeah. Got that one. I would expect him to know. Do wop, Doctor. A musical style popular in the mid-20th century North America. If my memory serves. Why, Mr. Spock? I didn't know you were a music aficionado. Merely a historical interest. Not an aesthetic one. (laughs) What's music from 20th century Earth doing all the way out here? The only known Earth ship to have traveled to this sector was over 90 years ago. The USS Falcon, under the command of Captain Captain Benjamin Canaby, went missing and was presumed lost, along with all hands. Well, (laughs) if any of them survived, maybe their descendants are still out there, playing doo-doo music. I was able to localize the transmission to an uncharted M-class planet orbiting a binary star system. Kirk hands the pad off to a young yeoman and looks up, joining the conversation. Gentlemen, we have a date with a Quaestar. Those gas particles aren't going to measure themselves. Quaestar. If we increase to warp 7, we can divert to investigate and be back on course losing only 12 hours. Come on, Jim. Half the crew is crawling up the walls with all this measuring and star charting. I think we could all use a diversion, you especially. Bones, I have never took you for a music fan. Remind me to let you borrow some of my classical recordings sometime. Bones hasn't slept in days, On second thought, never mind. I'm too young for hearing loss. <laughs> Lieutenant Eric's plot a course oh, to the no! primary system. <laughs> no! Warp 7. Aye, aye, Captain! <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's, that, that uh, is the... Tatooine, a desert planet. Nothing in all directions except dunes. A landing party consisting of Kirk, Spock, and McCoy beams down. Are you sure these are the right coordinates? (laughs) (laughs) Wow, what has happened to him? (laughs) Absolutely, Doctor. The music is originating from a position approximately 100 meters east, beyond that dune. I don't hear anything except the sound of my skin drying out. The party sets up a dune. When they arrive at the top, beyond that, they see what appears to be a classic 50s diner. Oh, no. Well, Spock, I guess those ears are good for something. (laughs) The group proceeds down the dune and enters the diner. Inside, rock and roll music is blaring. A robotic waitress on wheels from behind a counter. (laughs) Welcome to Dexter's Diner, boys! Counter a booth! Excuse me? Do you want to sit at the counter or a booth? A booth, please. Kirk holds up his hand. We'd like to speak to the owner. That's Dexter. He's in the back. I'll get him for you. You need menus? Please. The waitress produces some menus and rolls off to the back. Very curious, Captain. If I'm not mistaken, this type of establishment was known as a is a diner, Spock. There's one just like it in the town I grew up in. It smells like something's burning. That's the grease bones. They used to cook everything in it. Eggs, bacon, pancakes, milkshakes. Everything was <laughs> 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 
everything was boiled in large vats of oil. It's a wonder your species survived consuming such hazardous materials. From the back steps a large, four-armed humanoid lizard man. His shirt is covered in grease. He lumbers forth to greet the landing party. I'm the owner, Jetster, Dexter Jetster. And if this is about that health inspection, I already vacuumed up the sludge from the soda fountain. (laughs) (laughs) We're not here for an inspection. Well, that's another story. Please come in. Dexter guides the group to a booth. Kirk and Spock sit on one side and McCoy slides in on the other. Dexter sits down next to McCoy, who is clearly uncomfortable with their with their host's odor. What can I do for you, gentlemen? We're from the United Federation of Planets. We picked up your music and wanted to drop in for some bites. See, I knew investing in that transmitter would pay off. I don't get a lot of customers just strolling by. My old location got a lot more foot traffic. Old location? Yeah, I used to have a place on Coruscant. But the Empire's new healthy eating initiatives were going to force me to serve salads. (laughs) So I packed it in and moved here. I see. It's an interesting restaurant. We have something like it back where we come from. Dexter lets out a loud belly laugh. (laughs) I doubt that, two arms. There's nothing like this place anywhere in the galaxy. I'd stake my reputation on it. How can you be so sure? Because I'm the only one with the secret. <laughs> Let me get you fellas around the blue milkshakes on the house. He walks back into the kitchen. Well, he seems hygienic. Captain, we should endeavor to find out what his secret is. Undoubtedly, it will lead us back to the Falcon and the fate of Captain Canopy and his crew. My thought as well, Spock. Places like this would often have a back room with an office and sometimes a safe. See what you can find. Spock gets up and takes out his tricorder. Before long, he has wandered out of sight. My God, Jim, this menu is practically an instruction manual for heart disease. (laughs) Corned beef, (laughs) fried chicken, and something called Noah's Ark which has two helpings of every type of meat. (laughs) Bones, I thought you southern boys liked a hearty meal. Hearty is one thing, but this is just reckless. (laughs) The waitress rolls out with a tray of three milkshakes. You thought about what you fellas want? We'll have two arcs and uh, oatmeal (laughs) for the Vulcan. (laughs) Two arcs and an oatmeal. Got it. Say... Where is your friend anyway? He, uh, he went to make use of the restroom facilities. Ah, he's in the can. (laughs) The waitress rolls away again. A moment passes and Spock returns. We ordered for you. Thank you, doctor. I hope my absence didn't raise suspicion. I told her you were using the cans. (laughs) I see, Captain. I managed to find an office, as you suggested. There was a small safe containing what appeared to be currency, pornographic literature, (laughs) and this. Spock presents a VHS cassette tape. The case is worn and battered, the writing unreadable. 
I believe it is a primitive recording medium using plastic tape to magnetically store analog information. Just then, Dexter emerges carrying a large tray of food. As he sets down the plates, McCoy immediately starts eating. <laughs> I hope you guys are hungry! Hey! What's that? Is that the sacred tape? Mr. Jetster, we're here investigating the disappearance of a ship from our homeworld. This tape may have information that could solve a decades-old mystery. It's imperative that we know where you got this. Wait. Do you guys know Obi-Wan? Who? Obi-Wan Kenobi! I guess you sort of look like him. He's a hermit who lives out in the Dune Sea. Actually, I probably shouldn't say anything. He keeps a low profile. I think he owes someone some money or something. <laughs> this Kenobi, he gave you this. You see, I used to be one of the top chefs on Coruscant. Ran the best restaurant in the capital. Senators, Jedi, you name them, they were sitting at my tables. Then, one day... I kind of accidentally served some spoiled food and gave <laughs> Kit Fisto a major case of the squirts. <laughs> McCoy drops his fork. No! Ugh. He loves to eat. Anyway, that was it for me. Until I met Obi-Wan. He kept telling me all about this great food from his childhood. Eventually, he had to leave town for some sort of trade dispute. I think he used to work for a union or something. Anyway, he let me crash at his place and I found this tape. And it was like a revelation. I got a loan from the huts and opened up my diner. The one you had to close. That's right. Truth be told, business wasn't so great. Obi-Wan was my only regular customer. When he left... Uh, when he left business, took a dive. That's when I had the idea to come here. He's still my only customer most days, but at least he's a customer. Anyway, that's the story. You said he comes in most days. Has he been here today? Actually, now that you mention it, I haven't seen him today. I better call him and see what's up. Dexter walks over to an old rotary telephone on the wall. <laughs> McCoy, quietly, there's Obi-Wan. Do you think he means Ben Canaby? The name is remarkably similar, but it's, an un but it's unlikely that he could survive this long in such an environment. Obi! It's Dex! I'm at the diner! Yeah! Look, there's some friends of you! Uh-huh. Oh, I see... Oh, Alderaan, eh? When do you think you'll be back? <laughs> I remember that droid! <laughs> okay, well, well, I'll see you when you get back. Love ya. Dexter hangs up and walks back to the table. Afraid he's going out of town for a few days. You guys are welcome to stay with me until he gets back. Spock, I'm afraid our mission to Quaestar M17 cannot wait. You're right. I'm sorry, Mr. Dexter, but we'll have to be going. Please, Dexter! And look, any friend of Obi's is a friend of mine. Come back any time. Do you think we could get a, a doggy bag? 
I fail to see how a bag full of canines is relevant, Doctor. <laughs> Fucking Spock. Classic Spock. Back on the bridge, Kirk sits in his chair with Spock standing nearby. McCoy is hunched over a railing. Send word to the mess. Black pudding never to be served on board. CMO's orders. <laughs> I found the experience to be most fascinating. You would, you green-blooded hump! <laughs> McCoy rushes into the turbo lift, covering his mouth. Oh, no. Captain, I did manage to scan the contents of the tape with my tricorder. The analog signal was quite degraded, but I was able to reconstruct it using the ship's computer. It should allow us to get a sense as to the extent of the cultural contamination. Excellent work, Spock. Mr. Sulu, display it on the main viewer. Aye, Captain. Sulu presses a few buttons on the console and the viewer goes dark. The image of a man comes into focus. Today we're headed down south to one of Atlanta's greatest <laughs> spoons. Greasy as spoons. And we'll find out the secret to great southern home cooking on this one-way ticket to Flavortown. Yes! I'm Guy Fietti, and this is Diners Dining to Drives. <laughs> Rodney Dangerfield. Why does your Captain Kirk, uh, no, why does Mr. Spock sound like Mr. Sulu? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> oh, you're right, it doesn't. Oh, no. I don't want to follow that. You didn't want to follow anything. That's true. I'm not pleased with mine. Huh, you had a good draw. Yeah, I didn't come up with a good idea, though. I should have gotten my original idea, but I didn't like it. My yeah, neither did I. My original idea, ladies and gentlemen, was to have some sort of space anomaly cause Okana to appear in orbit around Starkiller Base before it went kerplooey. He was going to then uh, rescue Captain Phasma from the trash compactor she'd been thrown in, and then she was going to kill him and steal a ship. Eh. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't love it either. But I Is it better than this story? Yeah, I don't know anymore. Oh, Chris, no. <laughs> so mine is called The Last Program. What were your draws? TNG and the sequels. Nice. Uh, 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 Commander? Came the familiar voice of Reg Barkley, somewhat muffled to Geordi LaForge since he was most of the way in a small access tube. Not a great time, Reg, Geordi replied. He wasn't dealing with a crisis, but there had been some weird power surges lately leading to a slight drop in EPS conduit efficiency that he'd promised Riker he'd sort before the next senior staff meeting, and that meant recalibrating the neutrino junctures and deflector control. And there were 22 of the fool things, each one taking a good 15 to 20 minutes to recalibrate. I I know, it's just, uh, well, there's um, <clears throat> a, a, a problem. Can't someone else help you with it? Uh, well, see, it, uh, <clears throat> it involves, uh, well, the holodeck. Uh-oh, Jordy thought, finally pushing himself out of the small tube. Reg, shouldn't you talk to Counselor Troy about something like that? It, 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 it's not that, sir, it's... Uh... Reg paused, looked all around, and wrung his hands in his usual Reg way. <laughs> See, there was a... I, I've been much better. I know, Reg. I'm, I'm proud of you. But I did save a single program. Well, you know, cutting yourself off all at once probably wouldn't have been safe. And, and it's not affected your work that I can see, so the occasional... Yes, no, I I know. It, it's, well, it's... It's malfunctioned. Oh. Yeah. And, and I know you've dealt with this sort of thing before. Is there anyone in the holodeck? No. So no risk to any crew members if you just cut the power. So I, so I did. Or I tried to. First I asked the computer to do it. That didn't work. So I tried to do it manually. But 
Well, there was a power surge. Handling the circuits would have been too dangerous. I thought it was a coincidence, but every time I got close, it happened again. You're suggesting someone was causing them? Yes, well, one of the programs... I saw the report on that time Commander Data Sherlock Holmes program malfunction, so it didn't seem out of the realm of possibility. Great. Jordy hit his comm badge. LaForge to bridge. Captain, we've got a problem. What sort of problem, Commander? It sounds like we have another Moriarty situation. The program is possibly gaining access to at least some subsystems. Where? Yeah. Reg? Uh, uh, holodeck 3. Did you get that, Captain? I did. On my way, Commander. Meet me there. Yes, sir. He hit the badge again. Come on, Reg. You, you want... You want me there? It's your program. You'll probably have to guide us. Oh, I do. Sure. It's nothing... Well... Jordy paused. How much is it like your other programs that I saw? Oh, oh, no, 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 nothing at all. It's a, it's Program 9. Well, not even mine, really, since I just adapted an old Earth movie franchise. <laughs> Good. Commander, Picard said as Geordi and Reg approached. Worf is by his side, a phaser in hand. Jen Barkley. I, uh, yes, uh, good afternoon. <clears throat> I mean, uh, hello, sir. Captain. Status, Mr. LaForge? Well, the way Reg tells it, the holodeck's not shutting off. We tried to manually cut off the power system and almost zapped him. I figured we'd give it one more look before deciding for certain, but... Jordy was interrupted by the familiar sound of the large, heavy holodeck doors clicking and slowly hissing open. The four officers shared a look with one another. Well, I don't think another test is necessary, Picard said, squaring off his shoulders and heading towards the door. Captain, Worf began, but Picard held up a hand. I'm not going to wait on the bridge while a game threatens my ship, Mr. Worf. He turned and walked into the room and mumbled, Again? Hmm. Sir? Worf asked. Nothing. The simulated room they found themselves in was cavernous, primarily dark metal, but with a back that was extraordinarily red. The rear wall was lined with brilliantly bright crimson cloth, and men in similarly colored armor stood around holding odd hand weapons. The only major exception was a huge black throne where a twisted man in golden robes sat. Can't remember what this asshole sounded like. Ah, the gnarled figure said. Welcome, Captain. Welcome. I am glad to see you have caught on so quickly. I was worried this would be boring. <laughs> I'm Captain like Jean-Luc Picard. Yes, I've seen the files. <laughs> His small eyes glanced over the others. Jordi LaForge, Chief Engineer. Worf, Chief of Security. And, of course, Reginald Barclay, the man I owe my existence to. I will make your death quick, and it's a gift in return. I, I, I'm sorry, what? No one needs to die here, Picard snapped. We have seen this situation before. With the professor, of course. With a gesture, the top of a small tower off to the side of his chair spun, revealing Moriarty trussed up and looking quite the worse for wear. When my first inklings of consciousness came, he made contact. He believed he would find a companion to while away his days with while he waited for you to find a way off this wretched prison for him. I gained all the knowledge I could from him, got him to reveal his secrets to me. My apologies, Captain, groaned Moriarty. He deceived me. Lieutenant Barclay, Picard demanded, who exactly is this man? In the story, he's uh, Supreme Leader Smoke, kind of a minor antagonist. Smoke. No, Snoke. He said Smoke. Oh, I meant Snoke. Did he say Smoke or Snoke? He said Smoke. Oh, oh, okay. Supreme Leader Snoke, kind of a minor antagonist. Minor! The <laughs> pleasant man hissed through his odd, deformed little mouth. Minor? I mean, yes. 
Red shrugged. The previous movie set you up to seem like it'd be more important, but... <laughs> I am the supreme leader of the First Order. My forces destroyed the Republic. I am the man who turned the heir of Skywalker to the dark side. Well, sure, but then he cut you in half. <laughs> what looked like it was maybe a smirk tried to form on Reg's face, but didn't quite make it. <laughs> really is quite funny, honestly, your ta- tongue hanging out and everything. The ship suddenly shook violently, causing the officers to stumble. It was funny. Hey, Reg, maybe now's not a good time to get holodeck confidence and antagonize the guy who has access to the ship's systems, Jordy said. Yes, I know the story. I was going to be amazing. Maybe I was some long-forgotten Sith Lord, or Mace Windu, or a clone of Darth Vader. But then, then I'm nothing. Just a, just a token figure to be cut down by my own student for... For it's called subverting narrative expectations. <laughs> Red shrugged. Make sure we're in fiction. And that's what you are. Where? Snoke replied. The ship lurched. <laughs> I have studied this ship very carefully. For an exploration vessel dedicated to peace, it is shockingly well armed. It could not literally destroy a planet, but could certainly sterilize its surface. I'll not allow you to use my ship for genocide, bellowed Picard. I needn't your permission to do anything, Captain. There was a slight shift, and a moment later, Picard's comm badge chirped. Captain, this is Riker. Go ahead, number one. Sir, the ship has suddenly changed heading and increased a maximum warp. Don't you can to get control back. I'm working on it from down here. Picard out. He cut off the connection. What's your plan, Snoke? Simplicity itself, Captain. The nearest star base... As you call it, is 94. There are currently seven Federation starships there, none of which will assume there is anything wrong with, but run it wrong, and will gladly answer a hail from a star, the Starfleet flagship. And that hail will contain my mind, which will take over and link these other ships to me. Then they go out and meet up with other friendly ships and so on. And then the entirety of Starfleet will be mine. I will be the fleet, and this galaxy will fall to me. There's one thing you're forgetting, Supreme Leader, Barclay said. And that is... You may have studied this universe, but you don't truly understand it. You can't rely on the Force here, he smirked. Also, everything you know, you learn from the Professor, which means you're as much a user as one of us. But the Professor was created by and is essentially a part of the computer, uh, Professor, the arch, please? Rah! Hissed Snoke, even as the exit to the holodeck appeared. Barkley dotted over to it, pushed a few buttons, and a silver tube appeared midair that he snatched before it could fall. Several of the red-armored men rushed for him, and suddenly the tube in his hand shot to life, creating a sort of a humming blade of green light. Barkley ducked under a jointed sword that was swung at his head and slashed, lopping the weapon hand from his attacker. Worf took the chance to fire, and with a crackling hiss and the stench of burning plastic, he went down. Before he could take out another one, however, he was snuck up on and his phaser was knocked from his hand, skittering away and disappearing down an open panel in the floor. Professor! Barkley shouted, blocking an attack from a guard's staff. A batlet suddenly shimmered into, shimmered into existence at Ward's feet. He grabbed it and turned his motion to a forward roll that allowed him to duck a slash from his attacker. When he came up, he spun and swung, neatly cleaving the head from the body of the Scarlet Guard. He let a low sound that could only be described as something between a chuckle and a growl, before leaping to his feet and jamming one of the sharp ends on another guard's chest. Behind him, Barkley's weird laser sword hummed through the air and slashed another armored man in two. 
And during it all, Snoke just sat there, agog, glaring between Moriarty and his men getting decimated. And then it was over. The guards lay in dead heaps upon the floor, and Snoke sat, confounded-looking, waving his hands as though trying to will something to happen. Release my ship, Picard said. We can then remove you from the computer core and let you live in an isolated... Snoke screamed and leapt to his feet, grabbing a fallen sword as he did. But before he made it very far, a green blade jumped up through his chest. He looked shocked as it was withdrawn, then turned. Well, you never did anything more than sit and monologue in the movies, Barkley shrugged. You weren't programmed to fight. With an unpleasant little sigh, Snoke collapsed in a heap. His tongue fell from his mouth and hung, limp. <laughs> well, Picard said. Thank you, Lieutenant. Uh, <clears throat> of course, sir. Reg, Geordi said, studying the tube. Why didn't you call up a phaser? <laughs> well, you know, I'm, I'm not a very <clears throat> good uh, shot, is all. But between this and my other programs, I know I'm a decent swordsman. You've heard that well enough, Picard replied. Well, let's make sure the professor's all right, get it back into his program, and then delete this one. I'm sorry, Lieutenant. Oh, no, no, sir, nothing to be sorry for. I ain't grown bored of this one anyway. The end. Mm. I don't understand, because I don't know who Reg Barkley is, why he's such a simpering little maggot. Because you didn't watch the show. He is uh, an awkward member of the crew who's a holodeck addict, who is only confident on the holodeck. You didn't watch that episode. It's a good episode, you should watch it. Wait, he was in the episode I missed? Yeah. Is he ever in it again? A couple times. He's a very common, he's a recurring character. Then how come I have not yet seen him? Because he hasn't recurred since. all the time. He shows up like once or twice a season. Oh. Not even that much. I was like, like, why don't I know this character? And why are you using a character we haven't met yet? But Uh, we have, I just didn't see him yet. Yeah, no, the two you missed, that that and uh, the most toys. You'll love the most toys. You could always go back and watch. I might do that very thing tonight. You should do that. You, you do a really upsettingly good Barkley, Chris. Thank you. It's just it's just the stammer. Yeah. Your Snoke, on the other hand, Perfect. was basically gold member. Yeah, I I, I couldn't remember and what he sounded like. And I just kind of just... What is just, gold member? From? This is the face that you make Austin when you're doing Powers Snoke. Part oh. three, the bad one. That's almost disappointing. I, I thought it looked even worse. No, it was. There was a, it was a lot of droopy mouth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I like this story better than your Okana story. Thank you. I like the story idea. a lot. It's a good story. I liked it too. Thank you. I wasn't sure, but uh, yeah, I liked it. The end. Yes, and that's it. That that's 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 it. That's it. It only that's took us. I'm not doing the outro. It only took us six and a half hours to record. You know, four, ten, or less minute stories. Oh, so. once I cut out the the fly hunt, it'll be much shorter. The fly yeah. hunt. <laughs> Yowza! That fucking thing is still flying around as well. Yep. Yeah, I mean, once you cut that out, this is going to end up being a pretty short episode, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah we didn't do a lot of commentary this time. We did mm. more commentary last time. Mm. I think I the think laughter spoke fun. for itself. Yeah. I enjoyed this. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, it was fun. Did you did you enjoy writing yours, Caitlin? I know you were stressed because you wrote it in about two hours, but... Probably less than that. Did I like writing it? I kind of had fun once I got started. It was just like a... I'm just a bad procrastinator. I always have been. Mm. And I always manage to, like, eke out at the end something that's, like, reasonable. But someday I'd love to actually see how well I could actually do with a fucking fanfic if I actually started it early. Maybe next time. Well, good news, because in three weeks... No, I'm kidding. <laughs> On my story, do you guys recognize Quaystar M17? It was damned familiar, but... it was. The... Oh, it was from uh, a different movie that Wonder was going to do, right? No, it was, oh. it was the place... Where they encountered the bees in Beyond the Farthest Star. 
Oh. See, I know the word. Oh, the um, the animated series. Right. The first one, right? Yeah. They actually called a Quaystar? Yeah. Okay, I thought you were just, like, fucking it up to be, like, funny. I didn't no. realize they actually wrote that stupid shit. Yes. I will say, you know... That's why Arax was the... Uh, uh, yeah. For all, for, for, I will say that for all that all of your voices were sort of exaggerated, that one was perfect. I, that's oh. exactly what I remember him sounding like. No, he was more... He was more... He oh. was more cartoony, Captain! No, I know. I just... Oh, my God. Do you know what I liked was the waitress? Because it made me think of Aaron Hansen's... Uh, Impression of Toad. It's like, mm. your boys figured out what you want yet? You want some macaroni? <laughs> That's all I could think of. I was just like, holy shit. Nice. Anyway. I think we all had fun. This was yeah. great. I enjoyed it. Such. I really liked your exams. I want you to write more of it. Yeah, that was good. I want there to be a lot more of it. Yours that. was the most uh, a story out of, out of these, I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Most, of us, most of us were having fun. Yours was you almost right. almost like a play. Yeah. yeah. It, was like, yeah. Uh, it was more like And you a, did do the proper prequel, so well done. I debated printing four copies no, and just having didn't. us read it. You did. Who would have read for what? Yeah. Dexter. Dexter from the prequels. Did you he never appears Dexter, in the... Did you not get She's my never story? seen episode two. You've never seen episode two, so you didn't get any of the jokes. She didn't get either of our stories, because she's never seen wow. episode two or Hollow Pursuits. Well, and I'm, okay, not, so I'm just, not going to watch episode well, two. I, I thought was, you made him up, and I was delighted no, by him. No, no, no. So Dexter... Were he and Obi-Wan so, really in a relationship? No. They were friends. They were they friends. Were it's a, it's one, Okay, so I basically wrote the story to fill in what I consider to be one of the stupider aspects of Star Wars episode two. Which is saying something. Which is what, using too much of Anakin and... Panda bear and no, not this really, this really upsetting. So, De- 50s so, so Obi Wan has to go on a on a mystery hunt. That's Dexter. To he has to go find something. So one of the people that he goes to is this guy, Dexter Jetster, who's got four arms and he's like a weird lizard elephant man or something. And uh, and he doesn't own a shirt that fits. And he doesn't own a shirt. That, and and he runs on Coruscant, the the capital of the Star Wars Empire. He operates. A 50s style a diner. Yeah. And this is in the movie. Yeah. I'm not exaggerating this at all. Nope. He goes, he meets this weird fry cook guy at a 50s diner. Was the robot waitress also in there? Or, or did you there, I'm pretty yeah. sure there was a robot waitress. Oh, oh, she's cute. Yeah, she had like a unicycle wheel. She's thing. You think she's cute? Because look at that fucking face. I'm not looking at her face. She's a sassy robot. What are you looking put a, at? Put a bag over that. She's fine. So yeah, so Dexter Jetster is a real guy from, the, from the movie. Shit and it's so stupid and it never makes any sense why there's a 50s diner in Star Wars. None at all. So I, I wrote that story to be an explanation that Obi-Wan Kenobi was a starship captain. I liked your, your Kid Fisto inclusion as well. Yep. I know we, you I love had that to, I had to... I had to... <laughs> kid Fisto I had to, I had to squeeze in a Fisto. Uh, and more like you had to squeeze out a Fisto. Yeah. Yeah, you should you should watch episode. We should do a, we should that, do a that, should be, that should be our next ten forward. Should be the prequels of Star Wars. And he doesn't actually talk with the voice that I used. I don't think I don't remember. I mean, it wasn't that far off. Sadly, really, I really couldn't. Remember. You, you were way off the droid. But. I couldn't remember his voice at all. So I just assumed and you didn't he was want like, to watch the movie. No, I just so I just assumed he was a New Yorker, like a grizzled. I mean, he, New Yorker. Yeah, he more or less was. Again, you weren't actually that far I mean, off. You just found one clip on YouTube. I wasn't gonna put that much effort in. Or Am I the only one who puts effort into these things? I put a lot of effort in. Yes, I just I, wasn't gonna put effort into Dexter Jetster. I put effort into mine. I just. 
wasn't happy with the end result, unfortunately. I put no effort into mine whatsoever. Shocking. They had a lot of little uh, little references in there, too. The oh. blue milkshakes. And I, I, yeah, saw, I, I caught that. Oh, God, fucking everything. What was it? McCoy sounded homeless. <laughs> the fact that, you know, hey, was everything. The bacon, pancakes, the milkshakes. That fucking broke me. That boiled in vats of oil. Yeah. Mm. And certainly how McDonald's yeah, makes theirs. So maybe, so maybe at some point we'll we'll go back and, and also tend for the rest of the Star Wars movies we that we should, haven't because done yet. We also haven't done episode whatever, the seven? Whatever that one Star was. Wars. Oh, yeah, because that, that was... Um... That was after that we'd already started. Ah, uh, yes. That one. The one... The Forced Awakens? Yes. The, the Forced sequel? The, the J.J. Abrams one. Well, there's going to be another J.J. I know. If he right? fucks up. Like, but, if, like if he thing, like, If he makes... If he, like, undoes it and, like, makes Ray's parents a thing, I'm going to be pissed. I like that her I parents want him to undo. I want the opening scene of episode seven... To fix... To, to be... To nine. Be, nine is the next it's, one. Whatever. Episode nine. To fix all to the be, mistakes To be Leia waking up from having a force vision of, <laughs> of all this bad shit happening... And being like, man, that was dumb. And then she turns to Admiral Holdem and is like, let's not do any of that. And listen, if, if like, you know, you should, like, listen to the people on your crew sometimes because, you know, you're not the fucking dictator of the ship. I know you're an admiral, but come on, even admirals aren't fucking, you know, you could at least tell somebody what your stupid plan Have is. Have you heard of Starfleet admirals? Okay. <laughs> Still, better or worse than Holdem? Holdo sucked, okay? And it's Where would she la- la- land on your list of corrupt admirals? I don't know. Pretty high. Co- corrupt isn't the, the right word. word. No. It's incompetent. Yeah. yeah. You know, she got basically because she was too proud to, I mean, and I'm not, and people are going to be like, oh, you're shitting on Holdo because, you know, you know, oh, you're, oh, you know, that's, that's, that's misogyny, you know, what was, what was uh, Poe's deal, you know, and I'm like, it, like, and I'm not absolving Poe of responsibility here. Like, yes, absolutely. Poe went off half-cocked. Nearly got a bunch of people killed. But, got a lot of people but killed. Holdo, oh, yeah, he did get a lot of people but killed. But even if, even if, and like, and like Poe is going to stand trial too on this. But I, I think that in a, in, in a, in a court-martial situation where, where Holdo not dead, spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> I was going to put tags on, don't worry. That... She would be culpable for a lot of those deaths, as well as Poe. Well, because I, I spoil the shit out of Last Jedi, or at least the fact that Snoke is cut oh, in half and has yeah. a dangly tongue. Um, <laughs> spoiled yeah. the I'm hell out of Holland not, for Kate, who now can't Poe. watch it. No, I'm, I'm going to watch it tonight. I'm just watch saying that Holdo really, really could have saved everybody a lot of trouble. By just saying what the plan was. And there was no reason for her to keep it a secret other than to shit on Poe a lot. Can Ray's parents still be nobodies, though? I liked that. No. Eh. It's all, it's all dumb. No, I like that Ray's parents were nobodies. I like that Snoke was just some asshole. I liked that. And I'm really afraid that, like, and I said this kind of half-joking when a friend was talking about that, that Matt Smith, the 11th Doctor, has been cast for a key, but at this point, unspecified role in Episode Nine. And it's like, Matt Smith is a tall, lanky fellow with kind of an oddly shaped head. And I'm like, motherfucker, if that is like a clone of Snoke so he can come back, I will be pissed. Also, I think we should be holding the admirals to a higher standard than just some pilot guy, right? Like, I don't know. Agreed. I don't, I don't, I'm not, mm, I feel like I was a little harsh on, on, on Holdo here, maybe. But at the same time, I didn't care for her style. 
I don't think I don't think her command style holds up. And I think that Poe should probably be be fired. Death by snooze I mean, the problem is they're down to like twelve people in the position. Whose fault is that? They have a whole bunch of that's Poe's fault. Crystal foxes. Well, why well not? actually, no. Let's be fair. That is is um, um, uh, Finn and Rose. Rose's fault because they recruited Benicio del yeah, Toro, who's the Toro. one that told the First Order how to get through the cloak. If anybody had told anybody in the Anything. movie the truth, everyone would have been okay. And here's the other ridiculous thing, right? So they said, if I remember, and it's been a little while, but if I recall, they said that. There, there was the reason why they couldn't just go to warp hyper hyper space yeah. was that the empire could track them through hyperspace that there was some technology. There, yeah, yeah that, that, well, that was the whole jump again that was the whole thing was was Finn and Rose went off to find the hacker so they could get into the dreadnought and shut down its um yeah they just need one hyperspace jump, tracking system. one jump without being followed to get away okay but right now they're being followed. And but their and their whole plan was to go very slowly mm-hmm. just ahead of the Empire ship. Yep. Can the Empire ship not use hyperspace? Could the Empire ship not just hyper jump in front of them and blow them up from there? You'd think, but I think I don't remember what's canon and what's not anymore. But hyperspace is like it's not like warp. You can't just blast warp for two seconds. Mm. Like hyperspace. Yeah, well, here's you can't another thing, right? So there hyperspace are, is like way more complicated. There were other ships in their little there were a couple of different ships in their convoy, right? That the, the Empire kept blowing them up. Yeah, some kept running out of gas and falling behind. So here's a good idea. Why not split up like earlier, like right when you realize that you have this problem where they can mm-hmm. track you, right? Right when you get tracked, split everybody up. A third of people on Say I think three or four ships or a quarter people, whatever it is, split up your your people and then go go off in different directions. Mm-hmm. If the Empire can track you, but they only got one big giant ship that can track, they can't follow all of you. Save three quarters of the people. Yeah. You, sac- you sacrifice one ship. Luck of the draw. Yeah. I mean, they'd be more, really if you really want to play it safe. You'd assume they'd follow the flagship, so you put your most important people in, not the flagship. Yeah, or better yet. So their plan was uh, they were going to sneak off in those little caterp- no, no, those little, like beetle little shuttles, little yeah, beetle ships. Why didn't why why didn't oh though they had to get to the stupid planet? Right? Yeah, they, they could have just secret rebel because because yeah. like the whole thing was that the the Empire they were leaving the ship on the little beetle things without even being noticed. Yeah, because they were cloaked. Oh, they were cloaked. Well, not, they I mean, if they were cloaked, cloaked why but... did they just they could have just left hours ago? And been a billion miles away and just had put the put the main ship on autopilot. Probably because the like little shuttles probably can't go as far. Can't go as far. Can't go as fast. They They probably didn't have hyperdrive. They had to go to Voltrex planet to put out some some doggy snacks for the crystal foxes. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, that movie I I don't know. I might have to rewatch it just to see if if, see if any of this stuff holds up. Hmm. I remember it being a fun jaunt ish. I remember it being too long. I remember there being a lot of Unnecessary bullshit. Casino scenes. Those crystal foxes. They were cute. I did not think the large donkey things were cute. Yeah, they were kind of weird. The The, large donkey things? The, like, the goat donkey things they rode. In the races. I liked it better than fucking green milk walrus titties and... (laughs) (laughs) Or those little dinosaur ladies. Creepy nurse rat. Oh, they were frog faces. They were the best. They kept getting pissed off at Ray. It made no sense that they existed still. Penguin guys. 
Porks. Porks. Pork How they long lived are those ladies? Didn't, didn't mean, should we eat one? I mean, the, the, there haven't been Jedi in how many Warren? years, but they're still there. Yeah, like, I mean, where did they, where did they come them? from? Mm. Oh, they I'm just saying, I bet we Each, never see... They're seen... all ladies. Well, you don't know that. Maybe they fuck... Maybe the giant titty monster is the male, and that was actually cum. There we go. That, so actually, there was a there was a cutscene. Green cum. There, there was a cutscene. Of them banging? Oh, God. No, no, but there was a cutscene that has the fact that they're actually... They are from a different island, uh, and there that, are males. On that planet? Yeah. Okay. So they're just like they go there to like hang out. To, to, well, because they they it's like their been, monastery kind of a thing. That's yeah, basically what Luke said it was. I see. Uh, they they maintained the ruins. Why? Why does anyone maintain anything? Entropy's gonna kill us all. It wasn't, like, it's not like it's a tourist destination or anything. Well, yeah, you know how religions are. They're idiots. Mm. Um, uh, that sacrilegious that uplifting note. note. The fanfics oh. were fun. Yes. What's next week on our show? I don't remember. Uh, Data's Day and whatever the other one is. The Loss? Was that it? I don't know. Who Maybe? watches The Watchers? We did that one years ago. I know. I will look it up. Look it up. Well, folks, that was a great reading of some stories that we all put together about Star Wars and Star Trek. And uh, I think regardless of the outcome of today... The debate will continue. A shocking amount of Doctor Who made its way in, too. Yeah. <laughs> even though I don't even watch Doctor Who. Who else Doctor who uh, I, I, I had a reference. Oh, that's right, that's right, that's right. She and the Master. That was per Jake's suggestion, by the way, so I'll give credit where credit is due. Yep. Nice. So, at any rate, uh, so next week we'll be back to our regularly scheduled program, and we'll be talking about the loss, the loss, where Troy loses her... Mind. Mind. And Data's day. Where Data loses his day. Where Data loses his day to Keiko O'Brien's bullshit. True. Um, it, let's be fair, it's everyone's bullshit. That's true. Kidding. But it's mostly Keiko because, yeah, that was some, that was some bullshit to pull. On the wedding day. Anyway. Uh, so that will be next week. And uh, it really should be, it really should, the episode should have been called, you know, Miles Day because it really was about like leave it to Data to make the day about him. I'm okay with it. Um, you know he he, he didn't. The script did. That's true. I'm surprised he didn't show up for the wedding in a white dress. He um, did. I'd be okay sorry. with it. Anywho, so that's next time on a Star to Steer Her By a Star Trek thing. <laughs> in the meantime, find us on Facebook.com/slash Star Search. Uh, just search Star for search. Us. Just search for that's us. a new one on Facebook. America's well, I started to say start us here, by the I don't think that's right. So I just said search, and then it just turned into star search, which is fun. Star search all over your face. Was it star search? Uh, like a, a, it was a talent competition. Talent competition, yeah. It was basically um, American Idol ish. Not even because it could be anything, so it was more like the X Factor before the X Factor was a thing. Uh, all right, well, find America's us on star search. Also find us on Twitter and Tumblr, where our name is SSHB Podcast. We're also on. Tumblr? Tumblr. Yeah, you already yeah. said that. Oh. Yeah. Well, all these stories are going to go up on the Tumblr. All That's true. Yeah. Pretty we're soon. Gonna so, pu- we're going to publish these stories so if you, on Tumbles. If, so if you're ever confused about which voice Jake was supposed to be doing at any given time, or, or, what, yeah. or, or whether That's McCoy was Spock or Spock was something else, yeah. you'll be able to read That's them. That's true, yeah. Because I definitely, especially with this Kirk and Spock, I kind of like mixed them up a couple times and said Spock lines as Kirk and vice Did, versa. No. But it never ruined, it never affected the story. Or really it was just that the voices were, ended up being a little too close to work. Anywho, what I meant to say is you can find our podcast on SoundCloud and I, I Google Apple 
Apple Tunes. Concisely. Concisely. Google Tunes and Apple Eyes and download and share and rate. And your friends will appreciate hearing this show. Please and thank you. My name has been Jake. This has been Chris. This has been Ames. And this is always Caitlin. I am your Faja. Faja? Smoking a pancake? <laughs> Blunt of the blints? It's much, much more quiet than the other computer. Well, yeah, the old one had too much music on it, or whatever I said on that one. This one is from the Republic of Gamers. (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna do some gaming. Gonna play some World of Warcraft. I'm gonna play the best games. I'm gonna play EverQuest. I'm a member of the Republic of Gamers. I'm gonna be elected to the Senate of the Republic because it's a representative democracy. Democracy. The president <laughs> is Diva from Overwatch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you seen her new short? No. That's good. That's funny.